0: The Digital Transition. The Digital Transition. Brought to you by Fulton Trotter Digital, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to the Digital Transition, podcast number three. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrand, and today I'm talking to Colin Mann. Colin is from PCSG Australia and is currently working with the Department of Transport and Main Roads, or TMR, from the Queensland Government. Today we are discussing the process broadly that PCSG has led in assisting TMR with their digital transition. Thanks for being here, Colin. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Nathan. Uh, firstly, Colin, for those that are not aware of who you are, can you share with the listeners what your current role is at PCSG and the journey that you've taken to get where you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. So currently I'm one of two consulting directors here with PCSG Australia. Uh, between the two of us, we are um, establishing an outpost here of our UK firm. Um, but I'll give you a sense of my my background, my journey. So I, I started my career as um, a systems engineer in the aviation space. I specifically worked in aircraft engineering, aircraft maintenance for for a few years. Um, that's certainly an industry in which you um, get a very good sense for the importance of asset information, asset data, the, the importance of that for my whole life, cost, whole life effectiveness, and, and indeed safety perspective in, in operations. I moved from there about 10 years ago into um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, in the UK, where I was, I was part of their um, infrastructure and capital project advisory practice. Uh, there for many years, worked on various different uh, advisory engagements, lots of different um, client types. Um, but in my last few years there, I I led our charge in technology and digitization in the industry. Um, and I, I finished off in my final year there, um, I worked on the um, PwC's work on the BIM benefit measurement methodology, which um, was released sometime last year into, um, into the public domain, and, and maybe some of your listeners will have seen that. Um, so I spent a long time there working very closely with the Digital Built Britain program and, and the leaders of that program, including Mark Bew, who is the the chairman of PCSG. And at that point, uh, I decided to to move to Australia, seek sunnier climbs, and uh, and start work with, with PCSG down here.
0: So you briefly touched on Mark Bew and and PCSG. Obviously, you've just talked about a bit about yourself. Um, can you share with us a little bit more about um, what PCSG does? I guess who they are. And then also kind of the role that Mark Bu has played in the UK.
1: Yeah, certainly. So if I, I mean, I'll start with Mark. So Mark is our um, chairman of, of the firm. He's also for many years chaired the UK's Digital Built Britain program and remains a strategic advisor to that program now. Uh, but in the years in which he, he ran that, there were the years in which the UK established this mandate for BIM um, and established the the level two target that uh, UK government agencies are are seeking to achieve now. Um, and therefore effectively led the UK's government, UK government client adoption of, of BIM and the development of that within the industry. And certainly that work, along with you know the work of some of his key directors there, is what inspired me to join. I, I guess who PCSG are, if I try to summarize it, many people still see the construction industry as being at the bottom of the pile in terms of industries from a level of digitization and, and technology adoption uh, point of view. I, I'm not sure I quite agree with that, but certainly... They are seen as towards the bottom of that league table, and, and PCSG basically exists to to move that construction industry up that league table. That, that's that's what they're there to do. So, in terms of the you know the services PCSG offer, it's a, it's a fairly broad range of consultancy and advisory services in this space. So, anything from you know smart city strategies, sustainable communities type strategies, um, digital transformation work, implementation planning, and certainly um, with a lot of focus on BIM implementation and BIM adoption as well. Client types. Um, we spend more time than anything else with government agencies as clients, so um, owners of, of large infrastructure owners and procurers, um, also you know private clients in that in that space as well. So, for example, utility companies or, or larger state owners. And I'd say that you know the, the majority of our work recently in that space and with government clients has been in um, developing business cases, strategies, and implementation plans for either BIM specifically or, or broader digital implementation, broader digital transformation as well. We also have a product side of our business too uh, which we combine with our consulting. Specifically there we provide a, a particular common data environment platform alongside our consultancy services that's known as GeoConnect+. Um, that's a platform that's been selected recently as the, as the CD for the High Speed 2 program in the UK. But I'd say that to summarise the work that we're doing with, with TMR at the moment around strategy is, is very typical for us um, and particularly in the Australian market.
0: You've talked about PCSG and, and, the, and the role you guys are playing at the front end you know, you're essentially the front end um, service provider for strategy which I, I personally feel is probably the most important place to start for any organisation before they they jump into the BIM realm in terms of, you know, in essence kind of going about it and going, oh, well, I just want some BIM things. So you guys come in and, and essentially uh, making or working with their company and understand their objectives and their, their organisation and what the actual needs are to actually generate that outcome. That's right. Yeah. So we, we
1: like to you know start with that uh, that message of why they're doing it um, and indeed the business case for doing it. Um, I mean there is a balance between you know getting on and doing something practical versus working through the, the top down strategy. And, and you know, we, whilst we would advocate doing a little bit of both together is 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 a good idea. Um, as long as you know, pilots, proof of concepts, um, they're, they're they're good ideas to get people excited, get people engaged and start testing a few things as long as they're done carefully so you don't burn too much budget, um, you don't start off on the wrong foot. But yeah, from a strategic perspective, um, you know, we, we are often starting with that um, essentially a business case, um, which yes, includes the, the economics of why they're trying to do that, um, the, you know, the cost benefit of doing it, but also very much where they're going as an organisation strategically and how a digital transformation is going to help them do that.
0: Now that, that kind of leads me into my next question. And from my perspective, I'm a bit of a Simon Sinek fan. And uh, I have to ask you, you know, why do you think that TMR thought or sought to embrace digital processes? Well, I think that uh, TMR
1: really recognized the opportunity. I think that uh, it's it's clear from their position and I'm sure most government departments in the same boat, they absolutely need to do more with less at the moment, both from a capital delivery and an asset management perspective. Um, you know, TMR very much a asset management organization and, uh, and they understand and they certainly feel the pain of Incomplete or poor information in their in their asset base, um, they, it's very clear to them the cost of re-procuring information, reserving reserving assets. So they're very keen to address that kind of position and do and do more with less using available technology and available process. I think they also um, really understand the criticality of great design when when typically they're building assets that are going to sit there for a hundred years. So um, so they understand the importance of that uh, as well. But I, but I think so kind of away from that that economic argument. I think that TMR really want to be a, a progressive, engineer, uh, you know, progressive organization and they really want to recruit the best of the next generation of engineers. And typically you know, that generation, they really want to work with a, you know, a digitally enabled, um, exciting organization. So there's, you know, there's that element as well. So we, you know, starting with that why message um, and understanding why you're doing it economically, managerially, organizationally, you know, vital to keep your program on track really.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's 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 there for a few purposes. Obviously, de-risking projects and 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 allowing uh, finding identifying issues before they occur on site, and the challenge of managing assets that uh, you know have to uh, live for a hundred years and 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 sustainably. Now, I guess from my perspective, the question is is TMR's decision to proceed with their digital transition was it in response to the Department of Infrastructure, Local Government and Planning's State Infrastructure Plan? That was released in 2016 that mandated BIM delivery for infrastructure projects from 2023, or was it something else?
1: So, I'd say that was certainly a, a driver. I mean, it's it's certainly fair to say that TMR had started on this journey before 2016. Uh, that you know they were starting to do some early work in this space as early as 2013, 2014, even as early as 2011, depending on how you how you define it, um, and and that's of course a, a debatable point. But there's no question that the um, you know that that state infrastructure plan released in 2016 spurred them on a little bit and, and gave them that bit of extra traction. I think that um, the importance of that from TMR perspective is it, is it builds confidence in the industry of broader adoption and it's not just going to be something that TMR may choose to do for a period of time. You know, what 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 that state infrastructure plan is doing and the, and the recent release of the principles is making it very clear that this is something that Queensland government are committed to and that will drive broader adoption across other um, government agencies and hopefully, it will, it will accelerate the you know the rate at which suppliers and industry partners are able to, um, you know, respond to this as a as a requirement. I think also you know TMR see the opportunity and, and in part their responsibility to lead this a little bit as well as perhaps the biggest um, you know procure in in the, in the state. They, if they don't lead it, if they don't get on with it, it's going to be difficult to get this off the ground. And, um, and I've no doubt that some of the case studies and experience from TMR will really help other agencies as well.
0: Well, it's good to see the pioneering that TMR are doing, within within Queensland as a as an agency of the government. I guess now moving on to kind of the process side of things. So you know TMR have, have worked and and started to embrace digital processes for you know maybe five years, depending on the date that you you, you want to place in there. As much as you can do, can we talk through the process that you've done with TMR? Because obviously for the listeners that are um, here today, their interest is probably in in implementing. Um, similar processes or implementing digital strategies as part of their organisation, are you able to step through in broad terms the scope and approach that you've kind of come up with um, through PCSG to support their digital implementation? Yes,
1: yeah, certainly. So, um, you know, our approach with TMR has, has been relatively typical to the approach that we've taken with other government agencies, predominantly in the, in the UK uh, to date. You know, what is typical again with TMR is that it's you know, they have started their journey before they have have spoken to us. You know, it's not it's not as if they are at ground zero. And um, lots of great work has been done already there. Um, and therefore, a natural starting point for us is to provide an independent view of, of their actual current state and where they're at. So that's where we started. We you know, we would term that a health check of their of their BIM program. And we did that in a couple of different ways. We do have a framework for doing that, but essentially that we assess them against. Um, a standard, which effectively as an available standard, we, we assess them against the the UK's BIM Level 2 benchmark, which ties into the PAS 1192 suite of standards. Um, this was, of course, before 19650 had been released in, in any form. And we also benchmarked them against other organizations as well, where, where we've worked with other organizations and we have very good insight into them. So that was both locally and and against comparable transport agencies in the UK as well. Um, and broadly speaking, we, we are assessing them on, on sort of procedural strengths, um, technology strengths, and um, capability of in, you know, individuals and their staff base. That, that would be like the technical framework, If you, I guess, if we would use to assess them. But also very much and just as importantly, assess them against their you know, the strength of their program, so their level of governance, the level of organizational commitment towards it, uh, even the funding towards it and the communications around it as well. So it's kind of you know, program success factors, if you like. Um, we, we we can assess them against as well. And as a result of that, um, you know, a natural next step after that health check was to produce a roadmap for them. And this very much was um, in response to the, you know, the state infrastructure strategy there and, and a plan to achieve a, the 2023 targets that were set out, but also a plan to allow TMR to establish the most benefit in, in, the, in the quickest period of time, really. Um, so, yes, a five-year strategic plan with um, a lot of focus in the first year around capitalizing on the work they'd already done, establishing a few quick wins, and really establishing that, that program across what is a complex organization. So we completed that work um, a little while ago, early, earlier in uh, 2018, and we're still engaged with them now, um, focusing on one particular aspect of that roadmap, although a very significant part of that, which is TMR's common data environment. Um, so that is, you know, at the moment, that's at a, in a strategic phase, so looking at how they should approach a common data environment, use to the, use the BIM terminology there, what it will need to achieve, you know, its scope and, um, and its requirements. Um, so that, and that's the, that's the phase that we're in now.
0: So I guess for our listeners out there, common data environment might be a new term for them. And, uh, you know, I think there's something worthwhile, I guess, diverting on probably just quickly. And, and I guess what is a common data environment and for, for a layperson that's not, that's not aware of uh, this terminology and, and, the, and the British standards? Yeah, so
1: accommodator environment CDE it's, it's it is defined in the standards. Um, although, despite that, you know there's there's plenty of scope for interpretation anyway, and, and certainly plenty of scope in, in the way CDEs have been used and deployed um, in in every industry, in, in every territory as well. So certainly, even in the UK today, despite the fact that you know, the BIM mandate has been around for a long time, you see very different approaches to the CDE. So I guess to start with you know, technology wise, it's not necessarily a single piece of software or a single platform. It, in, in any complex organization, it, it would usually be a suite of systems that are hopefully working together. Um, I guess there will always be some common factors we would expect to see. So th- we would always expect a um, probably a cloud-based collaborative part of that which allow people from different organizations to collaborate, communicate, and share information effectively. That's ultimately the heart of what the CDE is trying to do. Um, I guess different strategies around that in terms of who owns and who operates that CDE. Uh, that's probably the that's probably the greatest difference that we see. Um, this has, you know, in many in many cases, and many significant projects, has been delegated to supply chain and, and sits at typically tier one, with um, with like a portal access for client and a portal access for lower tier contractors. But you know, for larger organizations, larger clor- uh, larger client organizations and government departments, more and more so now, this is being owned by them, operated by them, and forms part of their BIM requirement to engage with at a level their their common data environment.
0: Yeah, so essentially it's a, uh, a large filing cabinet that's uh, neatly organised which is a, a, a move forward in industry considering how people like to file things.
1: So even if, even if it was only that, that would be a step forward, yeah.
0: yeah. In an ideal world. Yeah. So I guess you've, you've talked through the, the two steps that you've taken so far in terms of capability assessments and strategic roadmaps and step three being a common data environment. Where have um, TMR focused their efforts so far? You know, has it been uh, technology implementations, standards development, or their people and their and their capabilities?
1: So, so certainly all three of those aspects exist on their on their roadmap. I think that it's fair to say that they started with on the process side, which again is is quite uh, quite common, quite quite typical, um, in part because it requires less probably the least investment up front to to think about that, and it also is is probably the, the one thing you absolutely need to do in order to run even the most basic proof of concept would be to have some sense of process. And I'm including within, when I say process, I'm including within that, that kind of definition, again, to use a few BIM terms around defining your information requirements at, at whatever level. So organizationally and your, your asset information requirements and then your employees' information requirements, ultimately the your demands that go out to the supply chain of the, the data and information that you want. So TMR started there with... Um, working up initial versions of those to allow them to, to attempt a, you know, some proof of concept deployments of BIM. Also, um, bolted onto the side of that, some procedures. You know, there is such a thing as the, the, the TMR BIM guide, um, which would cover things like authoring standards, um, level of detail, things like that, that some of your listeners will be familiar with. Again, just to allow suppliers to initially engage with TMR from a BIM perspective and start to produce digital deliverables that are in line with what, what TMR are expecting. Um, increasingly, now the focus is turning, you know, with that established and, you know, feedback coming in constantly to TMR on those procedures and on those, pro- on those um, um, information requirements. Attention now turning, as I was describing, more to the technology side and to the to the common data environment platform that they're looking at. And alongside that, we'll, we'll be working with them to look at other aspects of BIM uh, technologies as well and authoring type tools and analytical tools. But very quickly, capability will become um, almost the, uh, you know, the the critical path for for TMR as as it is with probably every organisation that we've worked with, um, and and indeed that you know probably still the number one problem in most UK clients at the moment is the ability to access and, and hang on to enough um, you know, digitally orientated staff that can uh, that can help you with this. So capability training that will become inc- an increasing part of TMR's
0: plan. That sounds like a big challenge, and it sounds like it's one of the biggest challenges that well we are going to face. So I guess you've touched lightly on I guess the, the journey that TMR has taken and, and obviously the work that they've done since 2013 and you've talked about the methodology in, in an ideal sense going from top down but then obviously the, the benefits of potentially um, working hand in hand with some some pilot projects for example mm-hmm. kind of providing feedback to the like a feedback loop to the system how have have, have TMR actually attended any projects or pilot projects with digital deliverables yet?
1: Yes, they have. Yeah, they, they've, they've attended a few. Um, they're focusing at the moment on some of their larger schemes, so, so typically $100 million plus schemes for them. Uh, so that's uh, that's the focus of their program at the moment and where they see most benefit. So yeah, the um, their employees' information requirements, to use the BIM term, you know, the, the digital requirements that sit, in the case of TMR, within their um, SWTCs and their, their board of, uh, contract documentation. They've gone out on a number of projects now, and, and, and those requirements do exist now for um, for a, a a certain number of TMR projects. Also, the, you know the need to, for contractors to produce their BIM execution plan or BIM management plan is in there, and and to and to provide um, digital models as well. And those requirements are, are continuously being refined and negotiated with suppliers. But yeah, absolutely. They've been out there, and we've seen um, and TMR. have seen full full sets of digital deliverables come back for for a, a number of projects now.
0: So. From from the experiences from TMR, is is the infrastructure delivery supply chain ready and capable of delivering projects? Obviously, the the scale of project would mean you know larger mm-hmm. infrastructure delivery guys or building contractors may be capable of doing that. Have they found any uh, kind of pushback at all yet? Uh,
1: yes, certainly some pushback, and it and and the you know the supply response inevitably has been mixed. Uh, I think generally. Um, fair to say, enthusiastic, but but you know the level of capability at the start of contracts has often been mixed, and and, that, and that's entirely to be expected. I think that some of the suppliers that TMR will engage with, you know, this will be their first first time attempting to, to produce BIM deliverables and, and to engage in a BIM type process. Some perhaps um, reliant on on other consultancies and suppliers to help them through that process. So a lot of learning going on, certainly. Um, I think interestingly, you know, TMR have seen examples of sort of over delivery as well. We, we've certainly seen that. Um, we saw that a lot in the UK, um, and, and seeing it again here, where you know interpreting digital requirements um, is is not necessarily easy, and indeed writing them down is not necessarily easy. So it's quite, it, you know, it's it's not uncommon to be in a position where a contractor or, or a design consultant is delivering what they can, and that might go over and over and above what was actually required at the time. So you know, incurring a little bit of unnecessary cost at different parts of the uh, of the journey. So
0: seen some examples of that as well. But that's all good learning uh, for for TMR. So the positive being, I guess that uh, I guess what will happen is is that it will align with the policies that were released in two thousand sixteen with regards to the targets of essentially delivering projects over fifty million dollars by twenty twenty three because I'll have gone through that pilot phase and and learnt on the on the run essentially over the next uh, three to four years.
1: That's right. I mean, you know, TMR's approach is, is fully in line with those um, principles and, and, indeed, they'll have influenced some of those uh, principles as well from some of their early adopters. I think, um, you know, a lot of those principles, for example, um, you know, the focus on open data is is, is absolutely part of TMR's strategy and, and we'll see TMR increasingly start to embrace things like the IFC standard. Um, I think that um, there are examples within those principles that... Um, are equally whilst part of TMR's plan are really really starting to starting to be examples of the, the bigger challenges that departments have in, in kind of complying with those principles and, and implementing BIM. You know, to give you an example, um you know one of those principles is, if I paraphrase it, is to to maintain BIM through the life of an asset. That that is clearly a sensible thing to do and it is a way in which benefit is realized through BIM, but um, it's it's not necessarily an easy thing to do and it's certainly not something that TMR today is geared up to do. Um, you know, they've created a um, an archive, an asset information management system that is based on um, CAD design and um, uh, you know drawings, and, and indeed up until not too long ago, you know, physical drawings, hard copy drawings. So, so they've got to work out a way of work out a new process and a new technology stack for for maintaining BIM, If I if I, if I shorten it to that um, for the life of assets, and that's um, that's not an insignificant part of the process.
0: No, it's going to be it's going to be probably one of the biggest challenges from my perspective in terms of the methodology of actually maintaining uh, live assets in a digital sense. So, I guess one of the things I guess we've touched on a lot of some of the challenges, and you've talked about you know people, and you've talked about um, through the pilot projects you've had scenarios where the supply chain have essentially provided kickback. What other kind of key challenges do you think that TMR have faced in their journey so far that since they started back in 2011 2013
1: I mean several key challenges I think um, to try and try and pick out a couple that, that are perhaps less obvious maybe um, you know one of the one of the real challenges that we will be w- continuing to work with them on is, is actually around benefit articulation so you know for people who work close to this space and uh, you know understand what what BIM does in, in the real world, The benefits can seem entirely intuitive, and I think for a lot of engineers they're very intuitive. But to explain that at an executive level in terms of dollars and cents is not easy at all. Um, And to explain it to individuals in terms of how it will benefit them and and benefit them in their job, it's not easy and and it's it's, um, a lot of communication that has to happen um, to gain gain traction and buy into a program. So benefit articulation, yeah, and a a difficult challenge. Um, I think to, to mention another one, it seems obvious to say the complexity of the organisation, um, but actually, you know, to give you a particular instance of that, you know, the number of third parties that TMR have to engage with with their asset information and their design deliverables is is, is very very significant. Um, and really, when you're thinking about back to benefits, you, know, you think about the rea- the benefits you're trying to realise. If you're having to you know switch to a like a, let's say an analog way of processing information in order to interact with a third party you can quickly start to burn the benefit that you were trying to gain, and um, so trying to bring some of your third party stakeholders along with you on the journey is is very complex and a real challenge and as we as we alluded to earlier, I think I think going forward increasingly it'll be about attracting and and retaining um, the right type of um, client your yeah, staff base to to run these processes is going to be so I guess
0: touching on that uh, the scenario you we're talking about there with having challenges of working on on old formats um my greatest interest is actually how, how this is actually going to create a substantial amount of duplication with local authorities and the councils and now TMR own and manage a portion of the road network around Queensland and then each of the local authorities that it interacts with owns and manages and operates a, uh, their own local streets. I know that some local authorities do investigate or are currently investigating or do utilise 3D models for DA assessment and I know that the Brisbane City Council have a digital model of their CBD. You know, what would be your thoughts or suggestions for our local authorities out there that uh, that may be listening, or people that are working for a local authority, in regards to uh, investigating this? It's, it's 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 almost a no-brainer. You got to get in quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we would we would advocate that, and and we would really encourage that. I think that um, you know the benefits exist for those local councils as well. Um, but it's a great example of you know that third-party complexity that I was talking about earlier. You know, and, and you know, For TMR to be able to interface with um, local councils as they have to do using the same digital deliverables that they're using internally and that they've procured, you know, it's these mechanisms, it's these fairly complex workflows, if you like, between third parties. That's, that's where a lot of the benefit is actually gained from BIM. Um, You're know, Being able to do this once and quickly and seamlessly and collaboratively um, without having to revert revert back to a a paper-based process, say in, in the worst case, that's where that's where benefit is created. You know, and, and breaking down that digital continuity, if you like, at, at any point, that's where you really start to start to suffer and start to lose the the benefit of what you were trying to do in the first place, and, and people get disengaged with the program. But I think, um, as well as you know, sort of I guess appealing to local councils to to kind of get on board with it, and, and also being encouraged that many of them are, I, th- I think it also in underlines the importance of state government strategy with this. So we're starting to see that um elsewhere as well. You know, things like the New South Wales policies around smart places is is seeking to tie in um, you know, this kind of infrastructure policy around BIM use with, you know, more local strategies around smart city planning and things like that. And and that's why things like that are important. That's why um, you know, getting BIM policy and principles out there in Queensland is, is fantastic. It's a great it's a great step forward. Um, you know, and lots more needs to be done on that space to kind of Maintain that sense of a a single digital approach to to infrastructure and, and land use planning,
0: and I guess that kind of leads to a recently released document titled "Transforming Southeast Queensland: The City Deal Proposition." So that was jointly released only a couple of weeks ago um, by the Queensland Government and the Council of Mayors, and and in this this 60-page document, in a couple of pages, it does address digital digital delivery in a couple of pages. You know, I'm hoping that this report might actually act as a catalyst for our local authorities, at least in South East Queensland, to move forward with their digital transition in regards to you know, integrating with TMR or even adopting their processes internally. How hard do you think it would be actually for the local authorities to essentially, once TMR released their full requirements, how hard would it be, do you think, for local authorities to essentially adapt and, and take on board that kind of strategy at a local government level,
1: that's a good question. I think that it's. Um, I think the honest answer is that I think that at the moment it will be quite difficult. I think it's absolutely terrific to see um, to see documents like that transforming SEQ to come out and and to address the, the digital element within it. And I think it will it will provide um, you know, local councils and and, and uh, local authorities that with that push. And I think that that combined with seeing some of the. Um, some of the technological outputs that will come out of organisations like TMR will also um, sort of open people's eyes to the to the benefits of it. Um, I think where we're at, and, and this is I think is true in um, you know here in New South Wales, Victoria as well, is that we are seeing some good descriptions of where this is going and what it is, and and um, and, and probably to a lesser extent, but but you know I, I ideally we see a bit more of this. You know, what are the benefits of doing this? Um, what I think local authorities really are going to need is, is more guidance and more help on how to do it. Um, so you, know, you take an example like um, the desire to create a, an SEQ digital twin, for example, is in that document. You know, hugely supportive of that kind of initiative. I, again, you know, as someone in, as someone very close to this, I intuitively understand the benefits of that, but they're not necessarily easy to articulate. So articulating the benefit of it is something that has to be done. And then really trying to get to that next level of okay, how do we do that? You know, what what are the nuts and bolts? What are the things that have to happen at, at the local authority level um, that are going to align with you know the state government, state agency level, such that a digital twin can be created, and, and therefore, what does it look like and be useful and, and be and be and, useful, and, yeah, and actually deliver benefits. Yeah. So, so publishing the use cases around that um, and really bringing those to life is what I, th- I think local authorities are really going to need, um, so they can actually sort of visualise and understand how they how they play a part in this.
0: What do you think would be the key takeaways and the lessons that you would have learnt working with TMR that other departments within the Queensland Government are about to start embracing on? So over the coming months they've got to start acting and and projects will start to be delivered from July 1, 2019 yep. in line with this policy. What, what, what would be your key takeaway that you'd make a suggestion to these uh, agencies and and how they should step in the same footsteps I guess that TMR have already put forward sure. so I'll limit myself to
1: one albeit, albeit it's quite a big one um, I, think that's, um, I think that I think that this it's very important to realize there is a, a difference between compliance with with bin policy or bin principle or standard and generating benefit for your organization both are important and I think that it, I think it is easier to to generate compliance um, so my main takeaway I think would be You'd really un, you really know, don't underestimate the importance and effort it takes to really meticulously plan how you're going to realize benefit from this process. Another way to think about that is you know, don't think of it as a BIM adoption program or a BIM implementation program. I think if you start that way, you're probably doomed to failure. I think you have to think about it as a transformation, uh, whether you term it digital transformation or, or otherwise. Because you know, you know, this, this program stops when you have changed the way you do things at a BAU level. Um, So it's business as usual to do this and you're realizing the benefits that you set out to achieve. Um, All too often those benefits are written down at a relatively high level and they're fairly generic Um, and then an organization will get on with applying a standard. That's not the outcome of these these programs. The outcome is digital transformation to deliver benefit. So focusing on that and really planning that all the way through to benefit realization is probably my, albeit complex, only one takeaway. I
0: have one final question for you. And this is the one that I'm I'm looking to ask all of my guests, and and you and you pretty much have probably covered it throughout. You know that last answer that you actually provided, but what does BIM mean to you?
1: So I would I would answer that question. Uh, yeah, I guess to add to everything I've said so far today, I think um, I would summarize BIM though as is, is client ownership of data. If I have to put it in in one sentence or four words, I think you know if you're a client, it's your data. Um, so BIM for me is you deciding what it is, when you get it and how you get it um, and if the way you've procured data before, the way you've received it before from your suppliers is anything other than absolutely optimal for you then you know, BIM is your opportunity to change that.
0: Yeah, well that's that sounds perfect, doesn't it? It's actually taking control once again which is something that, that they've kind of let go of the wheel of or, right. or relied upon others to assist them with. But Colin, mate, thanks very much for taking the time to sit down with us today and discussing the uh, digital journey that you've had with uh, TMR and how PCSG has actually worked through that process with them over the last couple of years. And and I look forward to seeing them kind of trailblazing more uh, moving forward in the next couple of years and, and essentially delivering benefits for, for Queenslanders in terms of getting better quality assets or or realising more asset for, for the uh, taxpayers' dollars. So for more information on TMR's digital transition and PCSG, please head to our website... And find the links to the various web pages and documents that we've discussed today if you'd like to do some further reading. So I look forward to sharing our next podcast with you in a fortnight's time. Until then, good luck with your digital transition. If you would like assistance with your digital transition, please contact us at digital at For more information, or if you'd like to continue the discussion in the comments section, head over to our website, the digitaltransition.com. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future podcasts. We would also appreciate it if you provide us with a rating and take the time to provide us with a review. Thanks for listening to Digital Transition, brought to you by Fulton Trotter Digital. digital transition.